0: and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Sunday, the 20th of June, 2010. On the last episode, I talked a little bit about uh, O-1070, which is the immigration bill. We played a clip from Gabriella, and she made some really good points. I also talked about the fact that we're going to have uh, primaries are coming up, and that we need to take a really good look at who's running for what offices not just for the big ones like the governor and senator and things like that, but we also need to look at a lot of our local elections who is going to be state treasurer, who's going to be, uh, you know, running on our city councils, who's going to be our legislators, things like that, and especially. When we're really looking at kind of what's the important thing uh, from gun rights, we really need to look at who our legislators are going to be. And we need to look at their voting records. Uh, Obviously, if somebody is is brand new and they're running, that's when you need to sort of do a little homework because they're not going to have any voting records that you can look at in the past. Uh, I think I mentioned before, primaries here in Arizona will be on uh, August 24th. And uh, as far as who's going to be the governor, a little history, we had Napolitano for quite a while. She was definitely anti-gun. However, because Arizona is so pro-gun, she occasionally at times had to sort of bend to the will of the people, so to speak, and actually sign in a few pro-gun legislation things. Uh, However, the person uh, that we have now, Governor Jan Brewer, Uh, most of you will probably know just because of all the controversy with the uh, 1070, which is the immigration bill. She is actually uh, very pro-gun. She signed in uh, several very pro-gun legislation things for us, and um, she is also a person who's been around in Arizona for quite a number of years and is pretty well known. Uh, let's take a moment and let's talk about the upcoming governor's race, and at least on the Republican side, uh, and I've got my few notes here, um, we've got the the current uh, governor, which is Jan Brewer. Now, for those of you guys out there that are listening uh, in other states, this may not be all that uh, interesting to you, but... I would I would say that it actually, it should be. And the reason why is, you know, if we, let, let's take the the most recent thing, the constitutional carry that happened here. So now there's three states that have that. So there's us, there's Alaska, and there's Vermont. And I'm sure that very soon other states are going to follow. And that's why it's important to be aware of of some of the things that are going on in other states as well as what's going on in your own. You know, if we look back 20 years or so, uh, and we look at just concealed carry with a permit, we see that, you know, Florida was one of the first, and now pretty much uh, all states except for two, I think, have concealed carry. The majority of those are Uh, shall issue states and we see a lot of them that are may issue states that are changing over and i think what i've said on on previous shows is that as as more states go to a, a, a constitutional carry type thing so uh being able to carry concealed without a permit so again as long as you're Legal to purchase and own a firearm, so as long as you could pass a background check um, saying that you're not a felon or you're not a prohibited possessor, you haven't uh, been judged mentally incompetent, you um, don't have any restraining orders, uh, things of that nature, Uh, you don't have any history of domestic violence. Uh, you would be able to, in Arizona, the same in Vermont and the same in Alaska, you're able to carry a firearm without any type of a permit, and you're able to carry that concealed. For us here in Arizona, that will actually go into law July 29th. And like I would said on previous shows, I think some of the thunder of that or some of the controversy of that is going to be overshadowed by a lot of the contention and controversy that we have over the immigration uh, bill that was passed here, which again will go into effect on the 29th of July. Now, there have been some developments in that. Well, you know, we'll 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 jump back on this here in a second. I don't want to get too distracted on this. Let's get back to talking about why it's important to uh, to, to maybe get involved in some of the other states uh, when they're doing things like constitutional carry or when they're trying to go from a uh, let's say from a may issue to a shall issue state uh, and again the reason that that's important is because once it's shown that these things once they come into place or are put into place that there is no end of the world that people aren't just being mass murdered out in the streets that. Uh, people aren't getting shot over parking spaces and things like that, and that pretty much life goes on as normal for most of us because most of us are law-abiding citizens. The vast majority in our society is law-abiding. If it wasn't, there would be chaos, no matter how many laws or how many police we have. the The fact is that there's probably, mm, you know, two or three percent of our total population that causes the majority of our problems, of our major problems. Things like violent crimes, uh, you know, murders, rapes, um, and when you look at things like even armed robberies, things like that, those are, while they happen a lot in our society, they're not really committed by, uh, in mass by the public at large. So as I stated before, on the 29th of July, this law will actually go into effect and people will be able to carry concealed without a permit. Now, do I think there's going to be drastic swings the day after that law goes into effect one way or the other? So meaning, is violent crime going to shoot through the roof because everybody out there is armed? Or is violent crime going to plummet to an all-time low within the first week because everybody is armed? And the reality is neither one of those things is going to happen. There's not going to be a huge upswing. There's not going to be a huge downturn. Eventually, as more and more people have the realization that they can carry and do it legally, and as they understand the law a little bit better, I do think that we're going to see a lot of of the violent crime and things like that continue to go down. Uh, Arizona uh, typically has had a little bit lower Uh, crime rates especially when you compare it when you go well uh, per capita type stuff so when you're looking at well based on our population this is how much we crime we have and based on let's say the population of Chicago or DC or Los Angeles this is how much crime they have and so when we compare the two we see that Arizona's is a lot lower now in things like kidnapping we were leading the. We were leading pretty much the world. Um, I think Mexico City was the only uh, place that had higher than Phoenix, and of course the reason that that, that uh, Phoenix had it, it was because of the amount of illegal immigration that goes on here and the amount of drugs that just pour through our borders. And like, like I said, in a second, we'll get back and we'll start talking a little bit more about the uh, illegal immigration thing. But as we get to compile more and more data of nothing bad really happening and only good things happening because of uh, because of uh, constitutional carry, we're going to be able to add that stuff to Vermont and to Alaska. So net where there was uh, only two before, now there's three. And then let's say hopefully Utah or New Mexico wants to, or Texas wants to go to this. And then there's going to be maybe four states and five states. And then all of a sudden, when there's five, six states that have that, I think it's going to be a huge sweep, much like, again, what happened with concealed carry using a permit system. So eventually, I think the majority of states will probably go to a uh, permitless type thing. I think that the majority of states will also keep a permitting system so that you are able to go in between states and, uh, and carry. I don't know at first if, if other states, if they pass it, and I, like I said, I, I truly believe that they eventually will. I don't know if they say, well, only, let's say we'll just use uh, New Mexico as an example. Let's say if New Mexico says, well, we're going to pass it, but only New Mexico residents can carry concealed without a permit. If you're coming from another state, you have to have a permit from your state saying that you're you know you're legal to do so type of thing. So um, So like I said, it is important to get involved. So if you if you're finding out that maybe over in New Mexico that there's a run for that, go ahead and even if you're not from New Mexico, just write the governor there. If, if you see something that is coming to, on their desk that to be signed, um, you can always donate uh, to their other campaigns, you know, even if you only send $5 or something or $10, you can do that. Also, if you have friends or family in that state, when things like that come up, urge them to get informed and get involved and say, Hey, this person is, you know, very pro-gun and we want them, uh, you know, again, it doesn't necessarily have to be the governor's race. It could be somebody for their city council, somebody for the local mayor, that type of thing. So, also, what's very important to look at is the election of the sheriffs. Um, in a lot of states, they're the the uh, people who are going to decide in certain counties whether or not you're going to get your um, your uh, concealed carry permit. Uh, if, especially if you live in a, a a may issue state, it's very important that uh, you get a sheriff in there who is very pro Second Amendment and who is pro. Uh, citizens' rights and who is pro, um, or who I guess I should say is squared away on the fact that that we as citizens have just as much right as his fellow officers and fellow law enforcement people to be able to have a gun with us and to protect ourselves and defend our families as they do, whether they're on duty or off duty, it doesn't matter. Um, And we shouldn't have any less rights than what we give our law enforcement people. Let's take a quick musical break. This is a song that Tommy at the Gun Dudes has written, and it kind of sums up his life.
1: You're more woman than I deserve I'm so grateful that you came along Cause now I live to serve Since you taught me that I'm always wrong I love everything you do the mustache that you grew, my genitalia belong to you See him roasting on the barbecue Do you think I'm whipped? Because I buy your tampons all year round Now I'm differently equipped And you got me peeing sitting down Hey, I think I'll bleach my lip I read Woman's Day and I'm proud to say that I'm whipped I love the constant way you talk I'm thrilled with one thing. I kiss the ground on which you walk And I got new friends just like Red Book said No, I don't think you're fat I'd take a bullet for your cat A thousand dollars for a hat No, I don't see nothing wrong with that They say I'm whipped But my bachelor party was lots of fun Though nobody stripped Diet Coke was fine with everyone Now I'm never gonna slip Oprah every day helps me stay this way, and I'm whipped. You get ten, I get one. That's a perfect bedroom ratio. You got me speaking in tongues, but who has time for that pesky Felicia?
0: All right, let's go ahead and jump right back in. wanted to talk a little bit about the immigration bill that's been passed here in Arizona, which is Bill 1070. A lot of you guys know that. Uh, whether you're in Arizona or not, it's made a lot of the national news. I got an interesting email from uh, one of the listeners, Jim, and he talks about uh, the video that I had reviewed on the last show about Gabriela, where she speaks at the Tucson City Council, and he writes on there, um, let's see, what an incredibly powerful speech, Arizonans don't understand what all the fuss is, it seems so obviously a no-brainer. And then Jim also did a couple of uh, YouTube links for me, the first one is one called, um, if you, the, probably the easiest way to do it would be t- if you typed in secure the border AZ, so, and what I'll do is I'll, uh, I'll put that, name of that into the, that's the channel name, and then you'll be able to see the, the videos on there. Uh, one of them is entitled the sing-along, uh, re, Arizona sing-along, read immigration law. The other one is entitled secure the Arizona border. And um, the other one secure the Arizona border is the channel name is the guy from Z Hills. So and that's all one word, the guy from Z Hills. And, and I'll put a... a uh, Uh, an annotation of that in the show notes into the uh, for this episode so also in Jim's email he sent a uh, a photograph and if I can I'll try and get that onto the uh, maybe onto the website or I'm trying to do a thing with Photo Bucket and I'll see how that goes a little bit later today and I may do a link to those Uh, but Jim writes attached is a picture of me and the boys on the last Hunters Who Care Illegal Immigration Trash Cleanup South of Tucson. We do this twice a year and take truckloads full of trash bags off the landscape. Thousands of pounds of trash. Unfortunately, after many of these illegal immigrant dumping sites are cleaned up, they return to solid mounds of backpacks, clothes, and empty water bottles in a few months. We are losing. And he signs a gem. And the, the picture that he attaches, and like I said, hopefully I, I may be able to get it on the website or up through PhotoBook or something like that. You just see just packs and clothes and garbage bags and bottles and junk just strewn all over the place. And that's because when they're getting to these destinations, they don't need that stuff anymore, and so they're just ditching it. With that, some people may say, well, you know, what what does that really have to do with firearms or the second amendment or being uh you know trying to secure our rights and things like that and you know part of the thing is it is it's a constitutional thing um we're a sovereign country we're a sovereign nation uh the state of Arizona is a sovereign state much like the state of Texas New Mexico California it's it's just like a river of of people just flowing across our borders We don't know who these people are. We don't know what their ultimate intentions are. We don't know, for instance, whether they're just coming across to maybe try and get a job to help feed their families. We don't know whether they're perhaps murderers or rapists or uh, are are wanted by the authorities on other things down in Mexico and they're fleeing to our borders uh, to evade prosecution, things like that one thing that we do know is a lot of them are drug dealers and another thing that we're finding out is that people from countries other than Mexico so people from the Middle East are coming and getting into Mexico and then coming up uh, with some of the uh, the Mexican illegal immigrants that are coming across so again the main thing is, is we just have no idea who is coming in and out of the country now a few years ago when I worked probation, um, I had a lot of experience with a lot of uh, the families and either their families or a lot of times even they, their parents or their brothers or cousins were here in the country illegally. And at that time, even if we found out that they were here illegally, we were not supposed to report them to uh, the immigration authorities. That was the policy. And, and uh, back then, in those days, Phoenix was what was called, and uh, Maricopa County, I think, at the time, was what was called a sanctuary city or sanctuary counties where, uh, again, the same thing. If you, if, if you came across evidence that somebody was here illegally, uh, you weren't supposed to um, arrest them on the grounds that they were here illegally and, and then turn them over to the immigration uh, basically, unless they had committed a crime, uh, you weren't supposed to you know that this wasn't even supposed to come into effect. And even if they had committed a crime, a lot of times that still wasn't um, really brought into play or may not have always been brought into play. So they could have done some time in jail and then been released back out into the community, even though the the authorities knew that they were here illegally. In the concept of the of a sanctuary city, goes to uh, the fact that what they were saying is look these people are here illegally and and the authorities know they're not going to come to us if something bad happens to them if they're attacked if they're robbed if they're you know beaten up if they're you know assaulted uh, for especially a lot of the women if they were assaulted sexually they know that none of that stuff is going to get reported and then the people that would prey on them also know that stuff and so the idea of having a sanctuary city was that these people could avail themselves of the services of the police or uh, medical things. So let's say even if they got hurt, a lot of times they wouldn't go into the hospital to seek medical treatment because they were afraid of being deported. And that was the whole idea of that. They, they would be able to uh, you know, get treatment or, or seek um, regress to uh, you know, grievances or crimes that had been committed against them. And you can kind of see the reasoning behind it from a you know a purely humanitarian standpoint, but you really have to look and say, well, if this person was shoplifting or breaking into homes or something like that, would we hold them accountable? And that's that's the thing that I don't like about the um, the sanctuary cities. And what a lot of people didn't like about it is that there's no accountability. These people are a lot of them are. Uh, committing other crimes other than just the crime of, of being here illegally. And that's another point that they don't really bring up. You don't really hear discussed in the media is there. And this was, it goes back again to my experience, not only with juvenile probation, but in, uh, with friends of mine who are on the, on the police forces, people that I worked with in conjunction with, uh, who were in adult probation, there is a lot, I mean, a lot of crime, uh, that is committed by a lot of these illegal aliens. And most of it is is really kind of, oh, maybe downplayed or hushed up, uh, or I don't know if it's just not thought um, uh, newsworthy by the, by the current media. But if people really knew the amount of crime that a lot of these guys are responsible for, there wouldn't be near the kind of backlash that we're seeing now. And, you know, here in Arizona, again, the approval rating for the, for the immigration law is still way up there. Uh, a lot of this stuff and a lot of the controversy is, is being manufactured by the media, quite frankly. A little earlier I was talking about that I knew a lot of the families that uh, either had, uh, like, brothers or cousins or relatives that were, in, that were here illegally, or even some of them, I, their parents and stuff, would be here illegally. And a lot of these guys, while they were here, tried to uh, follow the laws and tried not to get in trouble, mainly because they didn't want to get deported or sent back. And a lot of them, what they would do is they would come up here, they would work for six months to a year, all the while they would be sending money back home. And then they would also be saving, uh, you know, they they would have a, enough money up here to kind of to live on, but the majority of the money they were sending back home, and they would save that up back home as much as they could, and then after being up here for maybe a year or so, then they could go back there for two and a half, maybe three years, and live on the money there, so they could go back, and so then at the end of that two or three year period, once some of their money started to run out there, then they would come back up here to the U.S., a question may be asked: Well, is really is that really a, all that big a deal? Is that a bad thing if this guy's coming up here and he's he's working, and he sends his money back, and he doesn't get into trouble, and then he you know he hightails it back across the border again, and then is gone for a few years. Is anybody really hurt? And the reality is, you know, a lot of those guys. And we ran into this a lot uh, in probation was you would find these guys that were illegal, but they had identification, they had Social Security, it was all false. Uh, so, you know, somebody was getting defrauded, somebody's Social Security um, number, if they had used it to, to, to uh, steal somebody's identity, things like that. Uh, so, you know, they are a lot of times committing more crimes than just uh, being here illegally. And like I had mentioned earlier, uh, the worst of them are are committing, you know, lots of felonies and lots of assaults and uh, and break-ins. Because think about it: if somebody's come up here and they need and they're desperate, so they've made the trip into the country, they get up here and they can't find work. Especially if we look at maybe some of the economic times now, where work is going to be a little bit more scarce. If they're up here and they can't find legitimate work. But they have to send money back, or they think their family's going to starve. What do you, do you think that guy is going to balk at smashing out your car window, or stealing your car, or breaking into your house, or start to sell drugs because he knows they can get money that way? You know, when you've got your wife and kids back home, and they're and they're going to go hungry unless you can send them some money. Your motivation. And your level of justification for what you're going to do goes way up. Uh, Especially if you feel that your family's in jeopardy, you're going to say, well, too bad for the other guy. I got to do what I got to do. And that really is one of the reasons why it's very important to be armed and to get good training and to to be prepared to defend yourself for your own family. Because if somebody who is really desperate... You may be the guy that they pick to be, uh, to be the guy that they're going to pick to try and beat up to get your wallet. You may be the house that they're going to pick to try and enter in. Their original intent is they didn't want to hurt anybody or hurt you if you're going to come in between them and what they consider to be their their family's means of survival. They may actually be capable of some very desperate and despicable acts that may be that they normally in quotes, there would not do. Now, I had always thought that something like that, a guest worker program, would be good because then at least we know who these people are. We can document that coming in. When they're working, they can pay taxes just like the rest of us, and if they want to send some money back, they can do that. But they, you know, they if they're going to come in here and take from this country, they also need to make sure that they're given back. Now, one other thing, um, and before we'll kind of move on from the, uh, the whole immigration thing. Some people think that what we should do is allow everybody who's already in the country just to become a citizen. And basically what they are talking about there is amnesty. And you have on, on sort of both sides of the political parties people that in the past, and even now, that are in favor of that the main reason that they're in favor of that is not because they have some big humanitarian uh, feeling in their heart for these people, uh, or they want to, you know, help everybody out, or they want to try and get these people documented, all this other stuff. The real reason that they want to do that is because, and it doesn't matter which party, if you did do that, you would have almost a guaranteed base for the next two or three elections of people that would vote for that party, whichever party it would be no matter what, because if it was the Republicans that were in power when amnesty came through, those people are going to say, "Hey, the Republican party helped it out." If it's the Democratic party that's in power when when amnesty would would be granted, then those people who are all going to be covered under that blanket they're going to feel grateful to that Democratic Party or the Republican Party. Like I said, it doesn't matter which. And so those people are always going to vote for them. And that's what a lot of the politicians want in that as well. All right, let's go ahead and start to wrap up the show today. If you'd like to contact me, you can do so a couple of different ways. You can uh, shoot me a voicemail over at 206 Three three nine three two six six, or you can drop me a line and in, uh, in the email or if you wanted to do a uh, uh, give me some comments or something that you'd like to have played on the show and you didn't want to go through the voicemail you can always record an mp3 and uh, ship that off to the email and that email is firearmscafe at gmail.com that's all one word firearmscafe at gmail.com also if you wanted to uh, comment on one particular show uh, you can always do that over at the um, uh, Gun Rights Radio Network forums. Now, I had, and I think I've mentioned this before, but I used to could do comments over on on the website, but I've kind of disabled those because I was just getting um, just mashed with, with spam. Now, you can still leave comments, but you have to sign up and it'll have to be approved by me and... All this other stuff. So if you wanted to do comments over on the website, that'd be fine too. Uh, but the quickest way and uh, to get a hold of me or, or to uh, leave a comment or suggestion is to go ahead and do that over uh, again with the uh, either with the voicemail or with the uh, with the email. And that's again FirearmsCafe at gmail.com. Voicemail is area code 206-339-3266. So to everybody who sent in stuff, I want to say uh, thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, I I really like to hear from you guys. And like I said, if you have any comments or suggestions or anything like that, please feel free to go ahead and drop me a line. Uh, But to uh, Yins and Jim and Sandy and Mike and and all the rest of you guys that have been sending stuff in and Rich and all you guys that send stuff in to me, thanks again so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, Oh, also one last thing and then we'll go ahead and wrap it up. I do have on on the website, if you go over to firearmscafe.com and you scroll down the page a little bit, you'll see some ad banners, and if you go ahead and click on those, if it's something you're interested in, um, I'm trying to do that to try and help belay some of the cost of the show. Uh, I'd like to get uh, uh, maybe a, a little bit better microphone and maybe a mixing board or some other stuff like that so that I can have a little bit better quality, so... All right, that is going to do it. You guys stay safe and stay informed. And uh, I know I haven't said it in a while, but we'll save a place for you at our table at Firearms Cafe.
1: Oh, the devil has given him superhuman strength. Ooh,